way to start 2024 right here at Merch Church. You know, it's a year full of incredible opportunity for us as a community to have an even greater kingdom impact. And so we want to have open hearts and we want to have open hands. So I'm going to ask you right now as we just go to the Lord in prayer to just stretch your hands towards heaven to just open our hearts and our minds. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to declare that the name of Jesus is greater than every obstacle we will ever face. That the name of Jesus is greater than depression, greater than darkness, greater than shame, greater than guilt, greater than addiction, greater than any sin that may come against us. And God, we look to you in 2024 so that you can have your way to declare your might, to declare your power with open hearts and with open hands to receive the fullness of that which you have for each and every one of us. Lord, we lift you up. We declare that you are more than enough and we say it all in the precious, powerful name of Jesus. And everybody in the house said a great big, amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise like you really mean it. Grab a seat right where you are. To those of you joining us online, welcome. My name is Jacob. It's so good to have you in the house with us. Man, just a quick update. Maybe you're brand new here. There's really good news. We've got some extra space coming in 2024 to make room for more people to receive new life in Jesus Christ, to see heaven crowded. And I hope in the next couple of weeks I can give you some really clear timelines. But the project's going great, and I just want to say thank you. So much to everyone that has given so sacrificially, to those of you that have pledged and are just faithfully honoring those pledges. Man, God has done exceedingly and abundantly through each and every one of you, and I'm telling you, our best days are ahead of us, not behind us. Amen? Amen. We're kicking off. Yeah, come on. We can give Jesus praise. That's always in season. We're kicking off this brand new series, New Growing Fresh Faith. Because I believe that 2024 is going to be a year of incredible growth, new growth for us. And that doesn't just mean numerically. In fact, today we're going to talk extensively about growing spiritually because spiritual growth is the foundation to all healthy growth. So this week we'll talk about spiritual growth and next week it will be emotional growth. And then week three will be relational growth and week four will be growing in community. But the foundation for all healthy growth begins with spiritual growth in our life. And raising three kids, they they grow, and they grow fast, and it seems like everything is just a giant blur. But what I've noticed in raising three kids is that I, as their father, get most concerned, worried, because we worry as moms and dads. And yes, moms, dads worry too. We just don't say it. But we worry, and when we tend to worry the most about our kids is when it feels like they're in a stage for too long. It feels like they are not growing as quickly as they should be, or it feels like they have become stagnant. For example, some of you worried whenever your first child took longer to set up than your best friend's child, (laughs) right? And some of you worried whenever you you saw on Facebook that there are 4,872 prodigy six-month-olds in Van Buren alone. And you thought, my kid doesn't know his alphabet yet at six months old. Like, I, I, I could have sworn that he was going to be a physicist. I just don't know what is wrong. 
But when it feels like our kids are growing, we're pretty settled as moms and dads. We celebrate it. But when it feels like their life becomes stagnant, we begin to worry because we, as their parents, as stewarding their lives, care about seeing them grow. And the R in merge actually stands for this concept. It's a faith. It's a value here that says remember to grow because we believe that growth is a choice. So we want to always be reminding ourselves that we need to grow. And I believe God the Father has actually commanded us in Scripture to grow spiritually, meaning that spiritual growth is not optional. It is a necessary ingredient in the life of a healthy follower of Christ Jesus. And I believe that God the Father looks at us as his children in very much the same way and says, I want you to grow because when you're growing, I don't sit around and worry about you because you're moving in the direction that I'm calling you to move. But I think it's easy to be like, what is spiritual growth? So for the purpose of this message, this is how we're going to define it. It's the process. Everyone say process. Process. It's important that we understand that it's a process. It's not something that happens instantaneous. It's not something that happens quickly. It's the process of growing into the image of Christ. Spiritual growth is you and I engaging in the process of growing into the image of Christ. It's something, spiritual growth is something that begins internally, yet reveals itself externally. It's kind of like if you first start eating healthy food. You don't immediately see the benefits on the outside, but healthy food immediately begins to better nourish your body on the inside. There's an internal benefit in your gut, right, and and in the caloric intake and in the right balance of macros and all of the sciencey stuff, but it takes a while before it is revealed externally. Maybe that's in weight loss or getting in better shape, or maybe it's your skin clearing up or your hair becoming even more beautiful than it already is. It's internal before it is revealed external, and the reason that I say that spiritual growth is the foundation to all healthy growth is because spiritual growth begins on the inside. But it manifests and reveals itself eventually on the outside. See, our emotions become the fruit of the Spirit when we're growing spiritually. And our relationships become modeled by Christ. And our community becomes that which God has called us to when we're growing internally, growing spiritually. It's the process, the process of growing into the image of Christ. And I say all of that, and I think it's fair for some of you to sit back and just say, like, why should I care about growing spiritually? Like, why is this a topic worthy of the first message of 2024? We've already said the obvious reason. It's because God commanded you to. But I want to give you just a couple practical thoughts. You should care because the opposite of growth is stagnation. None of us really want to live in stagnation. We don't really want to live in stagnant waters. You've all seen stagnant waters, and they become dirty. When you think of a pond, if it isn't naturally fed, it is a man-made stagnant body of water. And when I was growing up, late elementary school, or like middle school years, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, my best friend, he's still one of my best friends in the world today, he lived on a farm, and they had a pond. And he and I would go swimming in this pond. Now, this pond was a stagnant 
body of water. It was not fed from a stream. It was just a big old pile of muddy, nasty, dirty, scum-covered water. And we didn't know any better, so we would go swimming in this thing like it was the Taj Mahal. We loved it. And I remember very vividly on a Saturday swimming in this pond. And the very next Sunday, I go to someone's house that has a pool. And the owner of this pool, the, the, the mom of the house, like I remember her being so worried. She's like, yeah, the pool, it, it's, just, it's just not as clean as it should be. You know, like, I'm sorry, guys. Like, just, and I'm thinking to myself, like 10-year-old me is thinking, like, is it socially acceptable to explain to her that I swam in a pond yesterday? Or do I just let this one go? The reason that a pool is more appealing to us than a pond is because a pool has a filtration system that is moving the water, not allowing it to become stagnant, and filtering it all along the way so that this water becomes crystal clear as it is intended to be. Spiritual growth works very much the same way in our lives. When we're engaged in the process of allowing Christ's image to grow in our lives, what happens is our life becomes filtered through his image, and all of a sudden it becomes clearer that which we are called to, that which we should do, and it becomes clear to the world that there's something significant occurring from the inside now revealing itself on the outside. So you should care about growing spiritually because none of us want to be stagnant, specifically because stagnant waters stink. If water remains stagnant long enough, it begins to smell. Now, I'm not going to ask you. In fact, do not participate actively in this poll. But I know that none of us like to stink because, like, how many of you, don't raise your hand because we don't want you know, to isolate the weird people, Okay. How many of you put on deodorant before you came here today? Like, just think in your head. The reason you did, some of you are trying to figure out if you did. Like, like you're like, I, did I? I don't, I, the reason we put on deodorant is because we do not want to stink. That's a physical representation, but here's, here's the, the lie that we fall into. We can fall into this trap that says, even if I'm not growing spiritually, it's okay. No, when you are not growing spiritually, what happens is you begin to stink whether you realize it or not. Your emotional reactions to things begin to stink. Your relationships begin to stink. The community that you find yourself surrounded with begins to stink. So, the opposite of growth is stagnation, and we don't like stagnation because stagnant waters stink, and spiritual growth is the foundation for all healthy growth. And then I just want to share this third thought, and then we'll dig deep, which is this. Spiritual growth leads to abundant life. When I tell you that God commanded spiritual growth, I know that many of us are like, I don't like being told what to do. I don't want to be commanded to do anything. You can ask me and I'll consider it and I'll decide later if I'm willing to participate. But what I want you to see is the reason that God commands spiritual growth throughout scripture is because God wants you to live in the abundant life that Christ died for you to have. Christ made it clear. He said, I came to give life and to give it abundantly. 
And you and I have a part to play in whether or not we are participating and actively engaged in the abundant life for which we are intended to live. And if we are not growing spiritually, we are forfeiting the abundant life that God has called us to. Peter reveals this to us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. I'm just going to read part of it, and then we're going to talk a little bit and read part of it. But he says this, His divine power. Now, it's important that we look at that pronoun, his, and we understand who Peter's talking about. He's talking about Christ. So Christ's divine power has given us everything. Everybody say everything. Ooh. Christ's power has given us everything. I just want to pause because I hope you see the freedom in that statement. Like Peter isn't saying that your divine power or your manifestability or your skill set or your spiritual understanding. No, he's saying, listen, it's Christ's divine power that gives you everything. Everything. What's he talking about? Let's look. He says everything that we need for what? For a godly life. Through our knowledge of Christ, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, through what? Christ's glory and Christ's goodness. Through these, Christ has given us his very great and precious promises. Promises of an abundant life. So that through them, through his promises, you may participate. Everybody say participate. That means we have a part to play. Participate. You may participate in what? In the divine nature. Meaning the nature of God, the image of Christ revealed in and through your life. You may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I want you to see this. Let's summarize a little bit. Peter's saying, listen, through Christ Jesus, through his power, he gives you everything that you need to live a godly life. And as you get to know him better, what you'll see is that he has called you, not for yourself, but for his glory, through his goodness. And because of his glory and his goodness, you can walk in the great and precious promises that God has for you. And when you begin to walk in those promises, what happens is you're participating in the divine nature as you grow spiritually. The image of Christ becomes your image. The goodness of God begins to flow through you, and it gives you the ability to escape the corruption that this world causes through evil desires. That's a pretty good why. Why would I want to grow spiritually? Because I want to participate. In the divine promises that God has for me, I want to live an abundant life. So here's a couple thoughts leading us to how we actually do this as Peter continues to write. He says, for this very reason, for the reasons I've just given you, for those reasons, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. He says, because of the reasons I just gave you, which are so powerful and so good and so rich, the reasons I just gave you to grow spiritually, I want you to make every effort, not some effort, not an occasional effort, not a little effort, but I want you to make every effort to add, to increase to your faith, goodness and to goodness, knowledge. 
I've learned this. Spiritual growth is maybe the most challenging type of growth in our life because it's often the slowest type of growth. It begins small, and it begins small because faith is the foundation of spiritual growth. And faith begins in us as a small seed that must be cultivated. And it takes time to grow and to prune and to trim and to water and to fertilize it all along the way. Faith, Peter says we have to add to it. We have to increase our faith, meaning what? We're increasing our trust in Jesus Christ and in God the Father, the creator of all things. I have some buddies that I've been friends with for a really long time. And on a rare occasion, we still get to travel out a little bit. And when we travel together, we like to go to restaurants that have tasting menus. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept, but a tasting menu, it's preset. Like, you don't choose what it is that you want to eat. And, and I know some of you just got terrified at the concept because you're like, I like chicken fingers and french fries and ketchup, you know. It's, I don't get to choose what it is I'm going to eat. What are you talking about? But we like those types of restaurants on occasion. And one of the things that we've learned is that if you go to a certain level of restaurant, even if they don't have a tasting menu, you can often ask your waiter or waitress to go back and the chef will make you a tasting menu. Now, this is ultra dangerous for some of you because... Not only is it that you don't get to choose what you're going to eat, you don't even know what they're going to bring you because there isn't a preset tasting menu. You're completely trusting the chef. Meaning what? I'm trusting that the one that is making the food knows greater than the one consuming the food. When we add to our faith, In Christ Jesus, in God the Father, the Creator, what we're saying is I recognize that the Creator knows better than the created. I trust that the food, the nourishment that you will give me for my spiritual growth is in fact exactly what I need. So Peter's saying, listen, I need you to add to that trust. I need you to not only be willing to go to a restaurant that has a prefix menu, I also need you to be willing to go to a restaurant in which there is no menu, but say, I trust you because you're the creator. You're the one in charge, and I lean into you knowing that you have my best interest in mind. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Peter is highlighting this simple truth. Spiritual growth requires nourishment. You have to feed your faith. He highlights this maybe even a little clearer in 1 Peter 2 and 2 when he says this, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You know, when kids come into the world, they cry a lot. And you learn very quickly with the first kid that like, if that baby's crying, that baby might be hungry, right? I mean, like, so you just like, I mean, you, that first kid, you just feed them like crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like they whimper bottle. I mean, they like, I mean, you're like, the kid's hungry. Kids starving, right? Kids not going to make it. Because a baby will cry out for nourishment. Will scream, will wail, saying, feed 
me something. I need something to eat. And Peter's like, listen, you should crave pure spiritual milk. But here's what happens in our kids. As we draw on the illustration, the fact that we get worried about them when they don't progress, like our, our kids are initially fed like through an umbilical cord from mom, right? And, and then by mom or from a bottle. And then they progress and all of a sudden they're like sitting in a bumbo seat on a kitchen counter and you're sticking a, food, a spoon in their mouth full of baby food. And then all of a sudden you have your third kid and your three kids are way too close together. So at 18 months, you just start handing them full slices of pizza and say, figure it out, man. I don't know. Got too much going on, right? But there's this progressive advancement. They're growing from the umbilical cord to the bottle to the spoon. And then one day they have this ability to go and fix their own food that they're eating that you bought for them. And then here's what you really pray. You really pray that one day they get a job. And that they can buy their own food that they can put in their own kitchen. And then you celebrate your success as a mom or a dad. There's growth in the process. But here's what I want you to see. Even though they're growing in how it is that they are fed, they're always eating. Because growth requires nourishment. So you and I, no matter where we are in the process of allowing Christ's image to flow through our life, we have to constantly allow ourselves to be nourished all along the way so that we can continue to grow. And Peter highlights this really clear. He says, listen, guys, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Everyone say salvation. Peter is saying this, the goal of spiritual growth is to feed the new life you were given. When you accept Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a new creation. You are made new. So you have to feed, nourish that new life. That is the goal of spiritual growth is so that I'm feeding the new life that has been given me. And Peter's saying, listen, you should value your salvation. You should value it, not just in a singular moment, but all along the process, you should look back and recognize the significance and the weight and the glory and the majesty of the fact that you've been saved from your sins. And as you grow in that, you go from the umbilical cord to the bottle to the spoon to the ability to fix your own food to one day I'm actually actively participating in the kingdom of God, working and providing food, not just for myself, but for other people so that we can all continue to grow in God's kingdom, so that kingdom can come in and through me. Peter says, grow in respect to your salvation, and Paul puts it this way. He says, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. That is Christ. We grow in all aspects into Christ, into his image. This can be hard, though, because sometimes I'm not a really big fan of the food that I'm given. Every once in a while, you'll go to a restaurant, you'll ask for a tasting menu, and you get a few things that you're like, oh man, like whole octopus? <laughs> I swam in a pond. Like, I don't know what to do with that. And on your spiritual journey, there are times when the Holy Spirit's feeding you things that you think, can't you just give me a break? Can't I get Saturday off, Holy Spirit? Like, man. I really feel like you're picking on me. 
You're beating me up a little bit. I mean, I know there's some things I need to improve on, but like, come on, man. Work with me a little bit here. It can feel like that when you're trying to grow spiritually. And sometimes you don't love what it is that you're being fed, but that nourishment is absolutely vital and crucial. And the reason that Peter says, I need you to grow up in your salvation is because Peter is taking us back to this moment in which we are saved and set free and given new life and highlighting that we have to nurse that new life. But he's also illustrating to us the genuineness, the depth and the width of the love of God. As a father of three children, it absolutely shakes my soul when I step back and recognize that God the Father sent his only son to die for my sins. I think about my three kids and the love that I have for them and and how passionate I am about seeing them succeed. And I can't get myself to the place where I could ever think of a reason why I would sacrifice their life for someone else. So Peter said, listen, you got to keep getting yourself to that place where you recognize the richness of what God has really done in your life. And when you do, you will accept the food that you're given from the creator because you'll recognize this truth. Real love is giving someone what they need, not what they want. So God is feeding us what we need even when it doesn't seem that appealing or like it's going to taste that great. He's saying, no, I care about you too much to leave you in stagnant waters. I don't want your life to stink. I want to see you grow. I want the image of Christ, his glory to shine brightly in and through your life. And when you recognize the fullness of his love, you know what you do? You take big bites and you chew fast. You say, I am committed to growing spiritually, to the process of seeing the image of Christ increase in my life. And I said that spiritual growth is slow because it's a seed that has to be cultivated. Our faith has to be cultivated. In fact, Scripture tells us that we walk by faith. I like to run. I like to go fast. And I know many of you feel the same way, but Scripture says, no, 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 you walk by faith. You have to take a step of faith, and then you have to take another step of faith. And you don't have the ability to run along this process as you're adding. It's just like a newborn baby that one day has the ability to sit up, and one day has the ability to crawl, and one day has the ability to walk, and one day has the ability to increase that walking speed. Little by little, our spiritual growth process is not instantaneous. It is not fast. It is not run. It is walk. Many of you have a gym membership, and you've been dreading January. Because you go faithfully to the gym and then all the Jacob Howells of the world show up from January 1 to January 21. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And the reason that January 21 comes along and we're tired of the gym is because we haven't yet lost 14 pounds and we don't have bigger muscles. I thought it took 21 days to get 14 pounds off and bigger muscles. But as it turns out, you got to walk. 
You got to slowly get in shape. You have to build up your muscles and your strength. And it is a process to get in physical shape that requires a deep level of consistency and commitment. Spiritual growth is no different. You walk by faith, illustrating to us that it is a process that requires a deep level of commitment and consistency for us to be able to fulfill all that God is genuinely calling us to in our spiritual growth. But I want to run. And if I can't run, I'll just stand. I just won't participate. I just won't do anything. The scripture also tells us this. God orders the steps. Everyone say steps. God orders the steps of the righteous man, not the stance. So many of God's promises are motion activated, waiting for you to take a step of faith to add to it, reflecting on the truth and the goodness of salvation and saying, if I can trust him with eternity, I can trust him with today. Recognizing that you can trust him right now in this moment. And listen, 2024 will inevitably be an incredible year and it will inevitably be a difficult year in your life. There are some things in life that will come your way. In fact, scripture promises us that life will not be easy on this earth. It's a part of the process that you and I are going to, but the writer in Ecclesiastes remind us that if we wait for the perfect weather, we will never sow. We'll never sow the seed if we're waiting for the perfect weather. Meaning what? Meaning you might as well commit right now. You might as well make up your mind right now that 2024 is going to be a year of incredible spiritual growth in your life. And it's so important that we see the, the miraculous potential that 2024 holds for this body of believers. I don't think I can overstate the potential. We have to walk in that potential, but I can't overstate the potential that exists for us in 2024. But I have a pastor in my life, and, and he says this frequently. He says, new levels, new devils. And can I tell you that since we announced our next step, that has never been more true in my life. There's a new level coming, and there's a whole lot of new devils trying to prevent us from getting to the place. And the only way that we fulfill the potential that God has for your individual life, right where you are, and the potential that we have as a community of believers is to grow spiritually, to be committed to disciplines of consistency and faithfulness, to add, to increase to our faith each and every day. To be in the process, actively engaged, being nourished by the things of God. I'll say it like this. We build our faith by continuing the walk, not the talk. It's our faith in action that speaks to the world around us. It's our faith in action that moves those that don't yet know Christ into a place where they want to see him for who he truly is, the Savior of the world. And then Peter writes this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. The knowledge spoken of here isn't just about knowing things in our heads. In fact, 
There was a group of people spoken about in scriptures called Gnostics. They believed in knowing stuff, having a head full of knowledges, but they weren't followers of Christ. They never stepped into and added to their faith in a way that caused them to walk, to actually move. They had a head full of knowledge that never connected to their heart, that never actually fulfilled the purpose that God has. See, the knowledge that Peter is talking about, this is about knowledge in our feet. It's about applying what we learn from God and allowing his image to actively move in and through our life, which is one of the most valuable things that you and I can do as believers. Here's what I mean. A head full of knowledge isn't enough. If a head full of knowledge was enough, then artificial intelligence could write and communicate better messages than I ever can. Artificial intelligence can know more scripture and organize it and structure it better than I ever can. But what artificial intelligence can never be is a willing vessel through which the spirit of God has opportunity to move. We can have a head full of knowledge, but until we become willing vessels through which the spirit of God has opportunity to move, we will never grow in the way and fulfill the fullness of the calling that God has for us individually and collectively. This is a knowledge that applies to our feet, our movement, to what we actually do. And knowledge in our feet requires real relationship. I think about my kids coming up and being fed by their mother, Kristen, through that umbilical cord and then at birth and through bottles and through spoons. Moms do a lot of feeding. But here's what I notice in retrospect. There's a whole lot of real relationship built between a mother and her child. In fact, there's a connection built that cannot even be accurately defined because the mother spent the time to feed the child, spent the time to love them enough to give them what it is that they needed. It's real relationship developed around the table. And as you begin to allow God to nourish your life, real relationship begins to genuinely develop. I want to give you just something really practical as we wrap this all the way up. Practical application for how we can actually grow spiritually in 2024. Because I've I've noticed that, that people tend to move in three parallel lines. There are people that read a lot, like they read God's word a lot. They, they read a lot of books about God. They, like they, they're great in knowledge. And then there seems to be people that, that pray a lot. Like they just, they just talk to God all the time. They pray for everybody. They pray for everything, right? They, they pray over the food and 17 minutes later, you eat cold meatloaf. And then there are people that, 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 worship a lot. Like they, they love to worship. They, they love to gather. They love to sing songs. They, they, like they, they love to genuinely worship. But I want you to see this. Those that grow spiritually do all three. They read. They pray. And they worship. Now, now, this can feel a little bit like, like, what, like what do you mean by that? 
I just, I just want you to think about what we do in this gathering because I think sometimes it gets overlooked and, and, and we view it as inconsequential or just the thing that we do. But we come together as a body of believers and we worship. Now, worship isn't music. That's a form of worship. Worship is acknowledging and declaring who God is. We worship. We acknowledge and declare who God is. And I can do that anywhere, anytime, with or without music. I can simply say, God, you're my father. You're my provision. You're a redeemer. You're a promise maker and a promise keeper. You are mighty. You are holy. You are righteous. You are just. You are true. You're all-knowing. You are everlasting. And I'm worshiping God. And the reason that we do this in connection with reading and praying is because as I declare who he is, it prepares me to receive what it is he wants to speak to me. And then I submit that preparation by saying, God, what is it that you want to speak to me today through your word? What would you have me learn that can put my feet into action, that can allow me to take one more step toward you? And then you open up his word and read it. And after you've worshipped and you've prayed and now you begin to read and you're doing all three together, the word of God speaks to you differently in a new way. It reveals things to you in passages that you've never seen before, even though you've read them countless times. And then you close up that word and you say, God, now give my hands and my feet the ability to do what you've called me to do. When we worship and we pray and we read, what happens is we grow spiritually. And the image of Christ begins to shine brightly in and through our lives. And then here's what happens in, in verse 6. He says, and add to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's a life I want to live. That's a life that the world sees and says there's something different, there's something more, and I need a part of that. That's a life that allows the image of Christ to shine in and through you for his glory, for his goodness, for his might, for his ability, for his preparation, for all that he's calling you to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify you. God, we honor you in this place. Not just with our words, but with our actions. Not just with our mouths, but with our feet. Not just on Sundays, but with a relentless commitment to growing spiritually in 2024. Knowing, believing with all that we have that our commitment to growing in 2024 will not affect just us, but it will manifest into our emotions and into our relationship and into this community. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed all across this place. Maybe you're in this room today and you just came in with a need. Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's a relationship need, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's healing in your body. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just want to agree with you in prayer really quick before we get out of here. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? You got a need of any kind in your life. I just want to believe with you right now. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for every hand raised. And God, I pray that every person that raised their hand would recognize that you value them, that you love them, that you know them, that you know the answer. And God, as they exit this place, I pray that your peace would surround them, that they would add to their faith right here, right now, trusting the Creator above all else, trusting that you do in fact have their best interest in mind as evidenced by the fact that you would send your son to die for their sins. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and God, we pray that 2024 would be a year of great spiritual growth in this place. We say it all in the precious name of Jesus, and everybody said a great big. Come on, give Jesus some praise.